I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. We are here, final major, final men's major of the year. I think this is a, uh, it's crazy. It's a, I think the new schedule, this is what happens is we kind of just all of a sudden, poof, major season for the men is over. Um, obviously, we have the, the women's open coming up at Walton Heath, which will be really fun to watch also. But we're here uh, at the Open Championship, so um, I'm not there, but it is um, as, as a golf world are there. So we are doing a lot of stuff on the fried egg this week. Obviously, we have the daily newsletters. Uh, feel free to go subscribe on the website, thefriedegg.com, uh, to those, and you'll be getting daily newsletters this week. And um, today's guest is Kyle Porter. Kyle writes for CBS. Uh, he also has a book every year that comes out, Normal Sport. I think it's coming out again this year. Um, but he's obviously a uh, a formative mind in the golf space, a uh, wonderful golf writer at CBS, and um, was really fun to chat with him about this Open, about a myriad of topics, some of the big names, weather, the course, different things. So, Without further ado, here is Kyle Porter with our five things about the Open Championship. Thanks, and here we go. All right, Kyle, I uh, I understand you're going through the FOMO that I'm going through of not being in Scotland. I am. I'm wearing my Crail. Or England, technically I'm, England. Uh, England or Scotland. I'm wearing my, uh, my Crail hat right now. Uh, last year was... You know some of the photos that that uh, that you and I were in or part of, or you know some some of the some of the rounds that we played. They've been popping up. You know, people were reposting them and you know sh- texting them and sharing them, and it 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 reminded me of just what a that was my first time to Scotland was last year for the for the Open, and it was just it blew away whatever my expectations were and. Yeah, I'm just I'm bummed to not get to go back over, and uh, it's such a it's such a. I think I heard you guys talking about this the other day. It's such a magical time of year uh, with Wimbledon going on and and the Open and everything else, and uh, it it's fun to experience from afar, but it's better to experience from up close. Yeah, absolutely. How long the days are? I think that round we played together at Ely, we were playing till about ten thirty at night. It was so dark when we were finishing and then we had that cab ride home, but man, it was <laughs> the cab ride there was even, but were you in the cab that, that I was in that was getting passed down that country road? Well, was it or the were cab? You in the other cab? It was the cab. Whatever cab I was in was the one that bacon was up front. Yes. And, the, and, and he, and he couldn't. <laughs> He, the guy was speaking English, but it was like bacon. He had, just, a, he had a thick, a th- very thick accent. It was it was incredible. And bacon at one point, you could you could see it shift 
where he was like trying, trying, trying to understand. And then you saw him shift to like, I give up, I'm out. Like, I'm just going to nod and pretend like I'm, I'm, I'm understanding what this guy's saying. It was, God, that was great. Great. Last year's open. I mean, all time tournament, all time trip that yep. Saturday night out before everybody was, uh, Rory's going to get it done. Then, then, uh, the vandal cam Smith, just, just, Stole, stole the tournament. Broke his heart. Broke, broke all the media's heart too. <laughs> I, I, I'm a contrarian, and I don't know if I want to really like freely admit this, but like coming down the background, I kind of was rooting for Cam just for oh, the. Uh, gosh. I, I felt it coming. Yeah. I just you as soon as he made the birdie on eleven last year, I just you just were like, oh boy, this yeah. guy is. I mean. I still that those shots he hit coming down the stretch. I haven't rewatched it, but they're about as vivid of shots in my in my mind. Like that, you know, you have like those pictures that you remember, and the Cam Smith on the back nine of St Andrews that that uh, that day are uh, about the the most vivid golf tournament memories. I I don't think they're going away anytime soon. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting because when, as people know, when you're out there, it's hard to see multiple players if they're not in the same pairing. And so we, inevitably, this happened in LA. We were watching, we were watching Wyndham Clark on your phone, like literally your phone was, Mm -hmm. you, you were holding it out and people were watching what Wyndham was doing two holes behind or a hole behind from where we were. And I remember that happening at the open last year when, Cam was on 17 because we were with uh, Rory and Hovland, or I was. I, I don't remember where everybody else was, but I remember seeing somebody's the the video on somebody's phone because you you don't know what else is going on, and you saw where Cam's ball was on 17 after his second shot, and in your head you're like, okay, that's a five. So what is like, how is this going to affect everybody else? How is this going to play out? And then when he makes four there, you, you're like, okay, well that's that's it. Like that's the tournament. And, and that was, that was the moment for me that it was like, Oh, this just, this happened like this. It's not going to happen. It just did happen. And there's really no turning back. And you have to, you have to consider like how crushing that is for everybody else involved, specifically Rory. Cause he was the one that was out in front, but also for Hovland. And it, it, it was, a opens at St. Andrews are, you know, magnificent, but they're also weighty because they only happen once every, you know, five or six years. And that, that's a, that's a pretty crushing thing to have happen to you at the end. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the, the fascinating thing about the open at St. Andrews, right. It's like, it has this, it's kind of got the weight of a master's, yep. but it, without the annual aspect of it. I mean, Cam Young eagled 18. I mean, I think that's the thing that gets lost and, I mean, he made the putt after it was a foregone conclusion that Smith was making birdie mm-hmm. on 18. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, like, of all, you know, all the shots, like, that Cam hit to win, the the routineness of the up and down for, for birdie on 18 kind of gets glossed over how yeah. the guy just, like, literally just... That was about as stone cold as it gets, right? It's not an easy up and down by any means, but to hit it to, like hit it to nothing where there's not even a shred of doubt that he's making birdie was just 
uh, serial killer stuff. So let's get in. Let's get into our our typical exercise. Five things about the Open this year. We'll be at Royal Liverpool, um, Hoy Lake, as as a lot of people will call it for short. Um, what is your first thing or a thing that you're looking for? Yeah, let's let's keep it going with Cam actually, because he's on my list, and right. it, it's it's partly because I'm glad of- I left him out. Yeah, there you go. It's probably because of last year, obviously, because he won and nobody's repeated since uh, since 2023 Ryder Cup or Padraig Harrington did back in, in uh, 2007, 2008. Did you see him at the – we're taping this on Friday, but did you see – he's in like sixth place at the Scottish Open. What's what's going on? Is he going to be on the Ryder Cup he's team? Bombing the ball. It's what's un- going on? It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, Cam Smith, repeat – Listen, like it's it's been quiet because people don't watch live and he's not he, he kind of only pops up at the majors and whatever, but he's got uh, I believe it's 12 straight or excuse me, eight straight top 12s worldwide including live, but also including a top 10 at the PGA, a fourth place finish at the US Open. Uh, his strokes gain numbers are which include live on data golf are very good. Uh, like better than Brooks Kepka, better than um, kind of right there with Rory and and Victor Hovland, and you know the Open is the kind of place where he doesn't he's he's a crooked driver, right? Like he 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 can he can get very. I, I still remember that drive he hit on sixteen at Sa- at TPC Sawgrass when he won a couple years ago, and it was like, that's not a drive that I've seen a, a major champion hit very often when he hooked it into the woods. But you can create, I mean, you can creatively get your way out, out of stuff like that at the Open Championship. So Cam Smith, to me, is a massive storyline going in, not just because he's the defending champion, but also because he's been playing kind of quietly some very good golf recently. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a handful of the best players in the world, right? And I think that gets obscured a little bit for two reasons. One, as he self-admitted, he kind of uh, he kind of took it easy this winter. Yes, partied and wasn't like guns a blazing um, on the onset of the of the year. But also because, as you mentioned, he's kind of been wandering about in obscurity on this on the live tour. Which uh, you know, it's it's the players have performed well he's one of them who's p- performed well in major championships but it does not uh you know the the tour is still very obscure in the sense of like uh, nobody really follows it um, yeah uh so yeah i think cam uh this golf course i, I one of my things that this ties into that i am curious about is this golf course and how it holds up with uh with driving you know uh like it's a golf course that's known for like, you really got to control your ball out there. And I think it's, it's fairly narrow. It's a little bit more narrow than the old course. Um, it has a lot of like holes that move on angles that makes it play more narrow. And I'm, I'm just curious with, with where modern golf is going, where it's just, you know, hit driver. And this is, I think something that's fascinating with the open in general, the open has kind of, pushback with firm conditions. Uh, I think the unpredictable rough has an impact on this. And then also just the weather that you can encounter, right? It's You can get in some really unbeneficial places hitting it really close. Um, but this golf course has a sharp penalty 
for bunker misses. It is fairly narrow. It is a golf course that, you know, if you look at Tiger in 06 and Rory's win, they drove the shit out of the ball. Tiger did so. The driving the shit out of the ball was avoiding bunkers and placing the ball in the fairway, right? Yeah. He was playing from short grass. That was his his big thing, right? Um, so I'm just curious how this golf course holds up. What type of profile of players are we going to see? You know, we we haven't seen it in, since 2014. A lot has changed in golf since then. Um, and I think that's something that I'm fascinated by. And like Cam Smith, I'm, I'm not going to lie, he's my one and done pick. You know, if I was picking somebody for the tournament, it might be something different. Like I'm in a one and done league that I've used almost every big name. Like he's going to be my pick. but. How's he profile? And the thing about Cam is like he's such a good player. He profiles well everywhere. Like we saw him at Oak Hill top ten and he didn't even play well. Yeah. Right? Um, and that wasn't a golf course that would you would say fits the Cam Smith profile. But I think the thing that happens in, in uh abroad with Cam Smith is that the elements come out and it's it's about shot making and there's some art more artistry in the game. And I think that's that really, really benefits him. So that one of mine is kind of around driving the golf ball in Hoylake, which at, at Hoylake, which is an interesting intersection with Cam. Do you think? So do you think? What's your next one? I was going to ask or, real quick. Do you think number one is an example of that with the internal OB, or are you looking at? So that would be the third hole. Um, in terms of what I like about it, because that's the third hole for the tournament. It's I think one like, on the what, it's one on the course, but third in, in the tournament, right? And yeah, exactly. What I like, that whole kind of presents it, right? It, you're going to get these firm conditions and there's holes that move in directions, right? They aren't like straight holes. Yeah. A lot of them. When they move in directions with the firm conditions, it, it, you're having to pick line and distance, if that makes sense. So with that hole, especially, you need to pick a line where you're going to cut some of it off. And if you don't pick it, if you're too safe with your line, you're going to run through into the rough. Right. Right. If you're too aggressive or if you push it for a right-hander, you're going to end up maybe OB. So these guys are going to be more conservative there. But yeah, that's a perfect example of it where, you know, the, the, the emphasis on driving is created a lot by the way the fairway moves, where you're starting to have to pick distance targets and line targets when a fairway is just straight you just are trying to hit it straight yeah right and you don't have to worry about picking a distance because you know if you hit it straight it can go any distance right when a, when it when a fairway like this is what pete die does i think really well is that those pete die courses and, and why they say timeless i think uh, to a certain extent is because of the way the fairways move on angles a lot of times even straight holes have some angular nature to them and what it does is it it really creates a you a double decision rather than just a singular decision. So I think that's one of the I think the the fairway bunkers being super penal uh, along with the way the fairway some of the the angles set up make this a really really tough driving test, right? Um and I'm curious if it's going to be if if in the last you know, almost 10 years with the way distances, how many long hitters there are now, 
are there how is it going to work that's that's kind of one of the things i'm watching yeah there's there's a whole uh, i can't i think it's like 14 on the back where tiger yes. hold, hold out in uh what was that 2006 5 whenever yeah, he won that six. and uh it it's it it's it is set it, what you're saying fits that also because there's a there's a bunker that you can cover or you can kind of go it, it, it's going to be really interesting because i think in the past that's been such an advantage for rory tiger guys that are so long off the tee but now do you bring 80 guys into that 100 guys into that um you know will they challenge different i think that it's always interesting it opens because it's there's so much um, variability in play. But I think what you're saying, uh, perhaps even even more so this year, uh, you mentioned the weather. That's actually my second one. And the reason is because I can't remember the last time we had, I mean, growing up, you think about watching the Open and you think about some of the just insane stuff that we saw on on TV whenever the Open was being played and you had these crazy weather days and guys shooting 80, 85, whatever. We haven't really had that in the last several years, right? Last year was perfect, all four days. Uh, 2021, Royal St. George's, it didn't, there was no win, there, there just wasn't a lot going on. 2020, there was no tournament. You kind of got to go back to 2019 at Port Rush when it, and it wasn't really, it was just kind of rainy. It wasn't like horrible weather. But I would love to Westy, see Westy went no no rain jacket that day. <laughs> yeah, questionable. That was, was bold. That was back. That was when uh, Fleetwood started buying stuff out of the gift shop and and using like o- open umbrellas and head covers. <laughs> went he went full Sandy Lyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sandy might have bought it for him, so he wouldn't get recognized. But I, I want to see that day or two days or whatever of really like, Hey, this is, this is going to be horrible to play in. Let's see. Can you, can you get through this stretch? Can the leaders get through this stretch? And you know, that, that to me is part of the open championship test. And we just, we just haven't seen it in several years. Early forecasts predict a lot of rain, (laughs) like rain every day. Well, I don't want that. I just want like one day of it. We'll see. We'll see how it is. I, I I know it's very sandy there, so hopefully it'll still be pretty firm um, and everything. I know it's it's a very sandy site, and they had a really dry couple months, but recently it's been been pretty wet out there. But yeah, like you want that Brooks Kepka? Was it was it the old course? <laughs> yeah, it was where in they f- had to stop playing. Yeah, CJ won. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I I think the interest of this tournament and is like the weather, right? That's it's always got to be a big story because it is the um it's the thing that is the is the test. Like I it's kind of the last remaining I think it's the last remaining thing that really really int- introduces um variability to the yep. sport. Yep. Especially wind, right? Like you you talk to these guys and it's like the one thing that they just can't handle is wind. Like they don't, they don't have an answer for it. And that's where you start to see like the, the true like flushers and ball strikers start to emerge. And that, like, I, I love that because it's, it's, it's a variability that there's no answers for everything else has an answer you can't solve that. And I'd love to see more of that, um, presented by, by mother nature, I guess, in, 
in this tournament. I mean, once we once we move to full simulator golf, uh, <laughs> we'll be able to just put set the settings to twenty mile an hour winds. You know? Sure, are they gonna have fans in in TGL? Like not people, but like the, like actual fans just blowing balls all over the place. It'd be amazing. Hey, they're trying to make the most real golf experience. It'd be right? amazing. That's what I saw in a press release. So, um, all right, along those lines, I think that because of wind, because of weather, because of firm conditions, because of some of the nuance in the golf courses. Um, I think this is the experience is something I always watch for. I think the, the profile of who is a favorite is much different at the open than everywhere else. Yeah. Uh, the average winner age of the last 11 opens. Do you know what it is? I remember seeing this. I think it's like 36. It's 34. Cam okay. brought it Cam, the last two Morikawa and cam 25 28 brought it down a little bit because you had to go through and stenson yeah. and zj darren darren clark was 41 ernie yeah. was 41 phil was 42 uh rory was 24 zj 39 stenson 40 spieth 24 molinari 36 lowry 33 Morikawa 25 cam smith 28 um obviously you know, if you went with a median instead of an average, it would be probably about 36. Um, yeah. If I'm, if I'm just eyeballing it correctly. Um, but yeah, so this is a, this is a golf course. It, it ties in with your weather thing. This is a tournament that favors, you know, the old. And uh, the old. I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering, do we get, do we get a Wiley guy? Podrig. Podrig's in it. Podrig. I, I mean, I always like, I'm, I, I've said this on other preview pods. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Adam Scott to get his second. Mate. Yeah, I know. Sergio's not in it. So like, you know, you got like Justin Rose, other people that would maybe profile in there. But I think like Adam Scott's always the one that makes sense. And like you look at his career, you look at everything he's accomplished. It's like, God, he's got to have two majors. And obviously he kind of kicked one away. Yeah. Um, and an open <laughs> kind uh, of. <laughs> Yeah, maybe more than kind of. I mean, he, but he's the guy, right? Like if, if you look at, uh, and you do the thing with players as a half major, right? Yeah. Well, that was Garrett's idea. I okay. Properly correct. But it, it makes more sense when you do the half major. Well, it totally does. But I, I think he's the guy, him, him and probably Sergio, that if you look at just what they've accomplished over the course of their careers, it doesn't, it doesn't really add up or make sense that they only have one major championship. And, and I think, you know, you, you could throw Jason day in there, but the thing about Adam Scott compared to Jason day is like the breadth of achievement, right? Like he's been, he's been good. He's been elite for like 20 years. Yeah. We're, we're into the twenties, into the twenties. And And there are so few guys in golf history that are relevant for 20 plus years. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think he can take some encouragement from the last, well, from the open, the history you just read, but even the last, like Phil winning Kiowa and and different things that have happened over the last several years. I think Gary Player said that somebody in their 60s is going to win a a major. So he also said the ball is going to go like 500 yards at the Masters this year. So I don't, I don't know, but uh, Adam Scott and Sergio to me are the two guys that if you just look at ball strikers and not not just ball strike not just like okay driving range hitters but also winners globally global winners like have won everywhere for a long time 
they're the two to me that really stand out as as like their career needs one more major to really kind of make sense. Yeah, I I would agree with that, and I I I think like Adam Scott, you you look at his game, and it it's still a game that for a week, um, you know, he's not going to be in every week. He's not a top ten player anymore. I don't think that's, but he certainly has the capabilities to win one of these. And I think like what's interesting is like a top ten player week in week out. I think you could make an argument that in terms of majors, he probably is like a top 15 player, no matter what yeah. a top 20 player, just from, from the sense of what he can do and what he has done at majors and how his game works. What do you, what do you got next? God, I was just looking at his finishes. He's, he doesn't have, do you know when his last top 10 at a major is by the way? It's a while ago. 20 it hasn't been pretty 2019 bell reeve. The year after that 2019 U S open. Where was 2019 was that would Pebble? have been uh yeah Pebble Woodland. It's a long time. Uh my next thing is your boy, Jordan Spieth. This is this is his best major. My cha- boy. Oh well, yeah. I I mean you talk about him a lot. Uh this is his best major championship. I think that. I think when people think of Jordan Spieth, it's very easy to run to Augusta, run to the Masters, run to everything that he's done there, which makes sense, right? He he He's won one. He probably should have two, maybe could have three just based on the way he's played there. But the reality of, the, uh, of Spieth is that over the course of his career, the Open has been really his best major. You know, e- even when he was playing badly back in... 2019 19 20 he was still like top 20 in this in this uh in this major championship like he's been and it makes sense he he explained this a couple years ago at royal st george's i think the quote was like you're not just hitting driving range shots at palm springs right you're you're you have to, it engages the creativity of your mind and that's where i think he said like when i'm living externally rather than internally that's when i'm at my best which makes total sense because if you watch jordan spieth for 10 minutes you're like yeah that guy needs to not be in his own head and this tournament forces him out of it and allows him to play with a freedom that i don't think he plays with at the travelers or the rbc heritage or you know some of these other places that guys go to so i i just this to me annually is his best chance to win a major. He could tie Rory if he wins it. I, he's not particularly playing great golf, but again, I I just don't know how much it matters how well he specifically is playing coming into this tournament. Yeah, I I would agree that this is I this in in Augusta they they profile for him right, um, especially with with the way the PGA and in the in the U.S. Open have historically set it up, and you see the the skills rewarded, you know, I just, I spent, it's been a long time. That's, that would be my, my, my concern, right? It's just, uh, you know, it's been a long time and, and I think he's like a dramatically different person and player, uh, than he used to be. Right. I think that's the, the unique thing about golf, right. Is that it is, um, somewhat about athleticism, somewhat about technique and somewhat about the mental side of the game. And, um, that's the one 
that is so vulnerable, right? Um, and I, I don't know. I, I would love to see it. Uh, he obviously he brings brings a popularity and um, just a uh, his. It's it's fun to watch, right? Like it is. Uh, it's it's a it's an exhilarating form of golf because of there's a certain relatability with his game and and craziness that I think like any any average Joe can see in it. Um, but I, uh, you know, I just, I wonder, I wonder, and I, it'd be great to see, but I just always go back to like, is, have we seen the best Jordan Spieth and is is there, can you get it back? I think what's interesting about what you just said is that it it almost, and this is everything I I look at Patrick Harrington's quote at Kiowa is like the sort of the source quote for talking about a lot of the psychoanalysis stuff, like, you know, like what he said there, I just, it was I, like experience experiences and it all it's cracked up to me it to be with experience. You lose innocence, I believe. It was, it yeah. Was and it's just like the perfect way to describe so much s- Harrington talk. So yeah, I know he might win. Uh, I might pick him for my one and done. Uh, <laughs> But but the thing with Spieth, is, or not just with Spieth, but with anybody, is like, as as you evolve as a person, because we talk about these guys not just as players, but also as people, right? As you evolve as a person, it can work against you because you're you're becoming a different person than you were three years ago, five years ago, or, or ten years ago, and whether it's noticeable or not, it's probably, it probably isn't noticeable in a lot of ways because it's a daily thing, right? Think about your evolution as a person from before you were married to now being married and having a kid and having a business and all these different things. Like you're such a different person than you were 10 years ago. And that can like really affect the way that you think about everything. And the one thing that Tiger never really did, which worked against him as a person, but for him as a player, he didn't really evolve as a person. He was kind of just like the 20 year old dude for 20 years. Well, you could make the argument that when he did evolve, when his world came crashing down is when he became, uh, beatable. Yeah. Right. Like it, it kind of, there's there's tiger part one and tiger part two and part two you know after the uh the fire hydrant is is not what the the level of dominance part one was and obviously there are injuries and all other all sorts of other things but you know that i think that moment probably dramatically changed him as a person yeah and it doesn't mean you can't win um or that you shouldn't evolve as a person but I don't know that we give it enough credit in terms of the way that we think about guys, you know, and Rory, Rory said this, he's like, feels like I'm chasing my first major. Like we, we give so much credit to like, Oh, he won four. And it was like, that was like a three lifetimes ago, you know? And it doesn't mean he can't do it, but it's, it's a very, it's just such a different thing, especially when you have people like Spieth, like Rory, like most of the top guys right now that really try to evolve as people and become different people than they used to be. Now for a quick word from our sponsor, it's Club TFE. 
listen, this week we are we're gonna be pumping out a bunch of content uh that's free through the newsletter, but also we will have our membership humming. Uh subscribe. Some of the new some of the stuff that we have coming up, uh we do a weekly course profile where we dive into a golf course in great detail, give it an egg score, tons of photography, uh, and they're usually, you know, one thousand to two thousand word profiles, big, big articles. Um this week I am writing about North Barrick, so that's a that's a good one for uh, to sign up. As a reminder, you get access to the back catalog, so we've done one a week for the entire year. So there are at this point twenty seven or so uh, profiles in there. I think I did my math right. Um, so lots of stuff in in Club TFE. Also coming, we have a routing video on Bally Neal with Tom Doak. So that's a, a video that's available only to Club TFE members. And then we have a member guest coming up. It's at uh, a notable course in central slash northern California. Notable architect did that one. Um, we will have a member guest that's obviously only available to Club TFE members. If you're interested in signing up, go to thefrideg.com slash membership. And it's $120 for the entire year. You get a little gift with it as well, and uh, you, all the money goes to supporting what we're doing here. So if you're inter- if you like what we do, uh, you appreciate what our our written content, our growth as a company. Um, this is a great way to support us. Thank you, and now back to Kyle Porter. All right, I got I got a couple of. Uh, ways i could go off this by remaining three things all fit off this but you brought him up so let's uh let's talk a little bit about rory here i think uh i really i like you talk about evolution and different aspects of uh of life and i think rory has uh in recent months moved into a new uh mentality uh of how his his spot in the professional game i think obviously he was a a torch carrier, he's still very involved, but where he kind of took on this this very out front leadership role for the PGA Tour, I think a lot of his energy was uh, devoted to pleasing people, really being, you know, the voice of the tour, um, holding things together through tumultuous time, uh, but also like appealing to his peers, right? And I think over the last, with what's happened. Um, with the deal and kind of some of the trust things that have gone on with players and, and everything, I think he's kind of in a new, new type of headspace and you can see it with the way he's, he's um, handling media since, uh, since the framework agreement was put in place where it's, it's short. It, it, the topics are, are stick to golf type topics for the most part. I think he's got an edge about him that he hasn't had in a while. And I really like it. Um, I think that we saw him play really great golf at LACC. It was, it was reminiscent of, uh, of the old course last year, but like, I mean, his putter went really cold on the weekend and he had opportunities. I, I think like that was more of a fact of like, you look at it and it's like, wow, if, like, two putts go in and he had lots of chances. It's, it's a completely different story. 
and obviously Wyndham Clark made made the putts, but like that that was a situation where Rory probably could have won that tournament by four or five if if he if his putter wasn't ice cold. And I just like I like his mentality. I think he's hitting driving the ball great, which is an important thing to do out here. And we know that like he's just on a different level with with the driver. I think it that was something that I took away from from uh from LA is just like how he can hit, you know long players on the tour he he's routinely 20 past him um I just think that mentally he's in the best place that he's been in a long time with his golf game and um and I think that this is uh this is probably setting up for a great week for him yeah I think I think what you said is correct and I think People will give a lot of, I guess this is what I was trying to say earlier. People will give a lot of credit to, oh, he won here in 2014. And you're like, well, that matters a lot less than how he, like the fact that he's playing very well right now. You know, like it, it doesn't, it's a fun storyline. It doesn't, <clears throat> how the fact that he won here in 2014 doesn't really affect whether or not he's going to win in 2023. I, I think the thing, <clears throat> the thing for me that, God, he hit it so good in LA. Like it, it to me, it was so different than that final round at the old course. He it wasn't as good. No, nah, he hit it okay, but he had all these like thirty foot putts and eighteen foot putts, and just just a lot of kind of nothing. And I didn't feel like he hit it as tight as he hit it those last couple of days in LA. I mean, that was just like a show. And it was, it was awesome to watch. Andy, the thing that really stood out for me with him on that final day was, and I had not heard this in the last nine years, he said, when I win my next major, right in, in the, in the, in the press conference afterwards. And I had not heard him talk so definitively about the fact that he's going to win another major. And I thought that that was a real it was a real shift in his, at least from my perspective, for where he's where he's at in his career. Because I think he, this is it, it's so weird. I think for people to hear, but I think he struggles with, I don't maybe not self confidence, but just like he has to be reminded, hey, you're the. You're, I mean, it's the it's the uh, JP quote where he said, "You're Rory F and McElroy," right? He has to be reminded of that almost. And and I think there's some like self-awareness in there that is like, again, a good thing as a human, but, you know, sometimes bad as a player, because you have to have somebody reminding you, hey, you're Rory, you're Rory, you're Rory, you're one of the 25, 30 best guys of all time. And I think he, I think he believes that right now. And honestly, the way he's playing at the Scottish, I, w- I honestly would not be surprised if he won the open by like five strokes. Yeah, I'm golf. At every level, I I say this to like people that tell me how they suck at golf. Like before, I'm like, listen, like everybody at every level goes through periods where they think they suck yeah. at golf. Yeah, and I think that's very true of the best players in the world. It's very true of people like Rory. Uh, Brooks was very open about it on Netflix. Um, you know, but I think like one of the other things, uh just to kind of distill what I was getting at earlier a little bit more. I think to be the best player in the world, you have to be extraordinarily selfish with your time. Yep. And I think that that's something that has shifted with Rory. 
um, is that he's being more selfish, more judicious. He's not answering questions about everything. He doesn't. I think he cares less about what what other people think of him than ever before. And I think that while it might not be the best trait, you know, for life always, it is the best trait to play the best golf, uh, to be the best golfer in the world. And I think that it, it, it's an edge. Um, it is a is a important asset to have uh, on the golf course. Sean Zock and I were talking after the PGA because obviously golf media's favorite thing to do is to dissect why Rory's not winning majors. And uh, we were joking about how he should just in press conferences say, you know what, Andy, like F you, I'm not answering that question, you know, and just start like, <laughs> just start going off on people and how, now he would never do that, obviously, but it, it, in a in a way, that's a little bit of like his sort of where his mentality has gone a little bit. I think. Do you, do you think it's the is it the merger or the whatever? Don't call it a merger. Is it the deal that has pushed him in that direction? Do you think? I I'm I'm not sure. I you know I think I think probably that I think that has something to do with it. I I imagine. I imagine that there was, you know, he obviously was somebody that was was telling people to be loyal. And I imagine, I imagine that after that happened, there was people that were upset with him and, and like, you know, felt betrayed by him and, and the tour. And, and I think like, you know, he was doing looking out for for the best interests of the sport right and i think um i imagine that getting heaps of blame placed on you or any any blame you know from your peers would would make you feel pretty you know and i think the media was tough on him too to be completely honest some some media right like i think there was a, you know there's a lot of narratives i i just i'd imagine that that was a that I think that probably had the biggest impact of uh, on I I don't you know I wouldn't say like he's he's a dramatically different human being at this point but I I noticed there's an edge to him that that hasn't I don't think it's been around um, when you when you while. say tough do you mean critical yeah I think there was there was some criticism I think there was there's I think there's just that that like look at look at this like you know live guys win type yeah. thing right. Um, and, and I think like, we don't know, I think if we learned anything on, uh, this week was like, we have no clue how this is going to shake out. Yeah. I, I do think he, he does seem, he seems hungrier for a major than perhaps he's been at different times in the past nine years. And I think that's, I, it doesn't mean you're going to win. Thing, but it, it's it's meaningful. It's important. The other event that happened right in this period that we haven't talked about is is the Brooks um, PGA win, which passed. You know, he doesn't. You know, Brooks has more majors than him too. I think there's also probably that has to be a factor in here. Like I I imagine he probably like five years ago never imagined a a peer passing him in major championships um other than speed. Then... 
I do like I we do we never get this in golf or we get it we do get it we get it very rarely but two sort of generational major winners kind of going at it for a for a window if we got that we if we got that with Brooks and Rory for the next five years if that was like their window to kind of trade a couple majors back and forth that would be awesome there's gonna be somebody new you know it's going to pop in there for sure. But I mean, their consistency, like just look at their consistency in majors, like how often both of those guys have, I mean, Rory's like, I think he's like top 10 in 19 of his last 33 or something like that. 34 Brooks, similar numbers, maybe even better than that. I mean, they're just, they're always there. There, there will always be new guys. Um, but you, I, I just think it would be awesome to see uh, to see those those two guys go back and forth. Speaking of another guy that's probably going to win yes. several majors, we, we got we. I, I was about to go there too, and I think we got the same name here. So I'm guessing it's uh, it's another uh, Longhorn. It is yes, and I don't know that anybody has ever. Like this, this to me would be one of the great, you don't want to say wasted seasons because he won this the players. This is exactly what mine, this is exactly what mine is. Yes. He won the players. He won Phoenix. It's not a waste. He's been extraordinary this year. He's, he's, he could win all the playoff events. He could go five and zero at the Ryder cup. I don't know. But if you don't hammer out a major in a year when you're hitting it at a level that's like just t- you're looking to the side and it's only tiger. I mean, he just, he has, I, I feel like he has to capitalize. He doesn't have to, but it, it would be a, it would be a disappointment. I think when he looks back to not capitalize on one of the great T to green seasons of the last 20 years. My, my title for this one is Scotty and expectations. And I think the toughest thing to fight in golf is expectations. And I can't, I cannot. This this is go. I think this is going to be one of the toughest tournaments mentally for yeah. him to play in his entire career because of what you just laid out. He is having statistically one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen in the modern era. Yeah. And if that isn't punctuated with a major, I mean, it's like it's honestly like Otani and Mike Trout just toiling away in in Anaheim where they can't field a, a winning team. And it's like Mike Trout is one of the greatest baseball players of his generation. And of he's any never, generation. He's never played a meaningful game. Yeah. You know, and like it's it goes categorically. I don't think it's that level because this is just one year. But like. This is one of the greatest displays of consistency. It's everything, everything you want out of a superstar athlete performance in a year where he's just been relevant every week he's teed it up effectively. And if it doesn't include a major, it's, it's mind-boggling, especially considering the chances he's had, you know, at, at the last two, really. Yeah, it it is. And I think it doesn't, it's not the end of the world, but I, 
I think it's easy when you're in the middle of something to say, oh, this thing that's happening is going to last for a long time. And the reality mm-hmm. is that it's not like you don't. It's you a don't, long off season. Yeah, you don't get. It's not like you get better from here, or nobody ever has, right? Like, it, I, I again, like I. The reason I, I I talk about this a lot, whether it's on my podcast or Twitter or whatever, and people are like, "We get it," and I'm like, "I don't, I don't know if you do," because people are so win and loss um, influenced in golf. That I think sometimes when you don't win, they, they people just can't see past not winning. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it, this is like Tiger in 2008 or Tiger in 06 or whatever, whatever Tiger year you want to pick. And there's like no other name to put next to it. Like it's, it's only that. And so I think you just, you don't get that window forever. You might get it for two years. You might get it for five. I I don't know, but it doesn't last forever. And if we've, if we've learned, you talk about this a lot with DJ and Rory, like guys don't win majors. It's very rare that guys win majors for a long time, right? It's usually, Mm -hmm. it's usually compressed. Look at Arnold Palmer, look at Ben Hogan, look at, um, yeah, all these guys, they win majors in a three, four, five year period. And if you don't, do it and some of it's luck and some of it is just a couple whatever whatever it is that time you never get that back you know scotty shuffler changes and he's jordan's speeth in five years and he he doesn't get back what he had and and so i just i think this is a it's a really important major for scotty shuffler's career yeah yeah i i think like one of the the just to you know add one thing here is like we when the schedule changed and it went to this um, extremely condensed major season, and I say extremely condensed, they cut a month out. One of the things that you you looked at it and you saw is like, wow, somebody could really get hot and go on a run and knock these out. Like, you know, this, this is an advantage to a hot hand. And what's crazy especially with the with the other elevated events in here is that like Scheffler's had the hot hand and like it's hard to say this because he won a players and he won one waste management but it doesn't feel like he's really capitalized on the hot hand yeah in this you know it's it, you know wins are I like I really 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 admire I I think consistency is the most underrated stat like i think there's there there needs to be some form of consistency it's what every great golfer is trying to achieve when they go through changes is like how do i become more consistently great right that's the thing that you chase with golf every golfer at every level is chasing it every golfer like i can't tell you how many times somebody's like i shot my best round and then the next round i shot like 95 you know it's like that's you know what what everybody's chasing is like how do i become more consistent and like the uh, the consistency's there, but like to have so you know the players feels forever ago, and to have so few big moments, uh, to have so no wins really mm-hmm. in the meat of the season is crazy. Don't you think it's weird in golf that inconsistency is almost disproportionately rewarded compared to yes. other sports? It's absolutely insane. And I don't know what the what the solution is because winning is so incredibly hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's um, it's Sandy Lyle's career, right? He's got four top tens at majors, but two major wins. Well, and this is not a shot. I am friends with ZB. This is not a shot at ZB. It's more of a comment about the system. ZB got inside the top 100 in the world rankings because of his performance at Travelers. Stacked field. Yeah. Great field. You know, best best finish of his career. But, like, he went from way down to the top 100, and it's all based off of, you know, one week, yeah. right? Yeah. And, I mean, you look at uh, – so take, take Sandy Lyle and Sergio Garcia or Adam Scott. Take Adam Scott and Sandy Lyle. You would yeah. never, you would no, no rational person in golf would ever say, uh, Sandy Lyle was a better golfer than Adam Scott, right? And yet, oh, come on. And yet, you're, you're going I, after Sandy. Yeah, I don't, I, I picked a bad, there's other people that you could pick. And yet, Sandy Lyle has more major wins than Adam Scott. It's just a, like, I, I don't think the answer is, um, discounting major wins because they matter a ton. I think the answer is like, and I don't know how to promote it more. We, we've seen this in baseball, the evolution of the way people view statistics, right? Where yeah. now a pitcher, a pitcher's wins don't, it doesn't mean as much as it did a hundred years ago. And it probably shouldn't because you're trying to measure performance and not, or you're trying to measure process and not necessarily outcome. And I think that there needs to be some better literacy around like fan interaction with golf success or statistics or whatever. And I, I just don't know when that's going to come about because it's just so wins and losses dependent right now that uh, I don't know. I just wish I wish there was more literacy around that. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but there is something there. It's uh, what do you have one left? One left. Uh, we actually kind of talked about this at the beginning with Padraig, but I think there's real Ryder Cup implications at this at this Open Championship. And is it the biggest story of the week? No, but it's kind of the last chance for a. It's 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 the opportunity. For, like if Taylor Gooch finishes in the top five, I think he becomes a real Ryder Cup possibility. And if he doesn't, then I don't think he is. And I don't. We know he's. We know he's ready for a ride. Well, I mean, he's played in several, so he he <laughs> he will be he will be prepared. <laughs> but I I think especially I was reading the the Data Golf newsletter this week, and it was really good because it was talking about how there's clarity on the European side, other than that bottom four that we talked about. But there's actually increasingly less clarity on the American side. The closer oh, yeah. the closer we get, and so. It's a big week for your. What if, what if DJ finishes second? I I, th I think I think he would. I think that would put him pretty close to being on the team. I do like a top five from DJ. Yeah, what do you do. I I think that, like and I think that would be fair because I think he went five and zero at Whistling Straits. You, you like He's well liked. Yeah, and it's it's like okay. At the end of the day, you're trying to beat Europe for the first time in 30 years in Europe. Do you want to have taken uh, Denny McCarthy over there and gone down, or do you want to take DJ over there and and have gone down? You know, I think I think that's a pretty easy answer at the end of the day. But I I, I just think there's a lot of like there's some Sam Burns implications, Max Home, but there's a lot of guys that are kind of you don't really know what what to make of them right now. 
what in your mind what has to happen for JT not to get picked or is he a lock uh, like he has to have surgery or something right he's a lock no matter what he could miss the cut in every event the rest of the year yeah it doesn't matter it, it would be I think I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago it'd be like <clears throat> not taking Poulter if he's upright he does he rubs those guys the, oh. I, I'll never forget. I, I, I was just walking, walking from one hole to another hole. And I ran into some of the Euro team at, at whistling straights. And one of them was like, did you see what JT did? And I was like, yeah, I did. And he, he was like, the guy was very mad about yes. it. And yes. he was, I mean, this was hours after it happened. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 the way that they talk about him is like, it is, it's it's tough. Like there's some real animosity, not not like as a person, but some real like competitive animosity that for that week. Um, I think I think Tron at at uh, Whistling Straits called him. He's like a Duke point guard, which is great. great so great so perfect. Him. It's so perfect. But to answer your question, yes, I, I think JT, if he's able to swing a golf club, is going to be on the team. I don't. I don't know yeah, if he, I think uh, whether I agree with that or not is kind of irrelevant. I think the names that you have to watch in terms of like that are, are, are agents of chaos for the American team. Kurt Kitayama, right? Is he playing well? He hasn't been playing well. He's playing bad. But if he starts playing well again, right? Harris English has been really good lately. Yeah. But then a, a guy like Tony Tony Finau, who's way out. That like if he if he has a great week yeah. or a great couple of weeks, like, you know, these are the guys that then all of a sudden throw in jeopardy. Like then you I mean, like I don't I can't see a world that Ricky's not on the team at nope. this point. No. Um I th- but I think there's some real like okay, in a vacuum, do you do you if you take the names out of it, are you taking Russell Henley or or um uh, or Max Homa? I think you would take Russell Henley, but you can't take the names out of it. You can't erase the fact that Max won whatever four matches at, at the president's cup last year. You can't, there's just so many different factors that go into it. And I think, I think there's some real like Ryder cup implications at this open for five or eight guys on the American side. I think like you look at the the top nine points, you, there's no way if you're in the top nine points, you get bypassed. Yep. And then from there, it's it's your JT doesn't seem like it's going to be in that top nine, and and Ricky's not going. Is Ricky could get all the way up there, but like you want one of those two guys because they are as are going to be on the team effectively. You really want those two guys to get into the top nine. Yeah. So I think just from a political standpoint, as the captain, you you wouldn't. You're right. You wouldn't stray outside of the top nine. I think it's easy for us to look at strokes gained or, or world ranking or whatever. But politically, you wouldn't. You, 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 there has there's more volatility this year. Zai Johnson was talking about this because the elevated events offer so much money, right? And so there's more there's more noise because that's what they go on is 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 how much money you've earned. That translates into points. I don't know what the FedEx. Uh, exchange there is but uh you're not going to go out of the top nine so if you have guys that are outside of it like jt and ricky then you really only have one spot that you're trying to pick right yeah basically 
I mean, that's the thing, right? That's where it gets tricky, right? I, I just think the discourse, let's just say Keegan doesn't play well, but he just only falls to, to nine, Yeah, right? You imagine the discourse around like Keegan Bradley not getting picked, uh, you know, when he was ninth in points and, and somebody who's like, and DJ getting picked or Taylor Groose getting picked. Well, that's what I mean. Like, that's it's, the, it's, it's political. That's the other tough spot. It's political suicide as the captain, right? Like you, you're yeah. not, you wouldn't do that. And so, although ZJ, ZJ doesn't seem to me like a risk taker. <laughs> really? <laughs> just, I might be, I might be miscasting him, but he just doesn't seem to be like, it doesn't feel like me, like he's going to be, Somebody that's trying to, you know, the big mids step out. The big yeah. mids don't scream, you know, take take risks and put yourself out there. Uh, yeah, so that that's my last one. It's just on both sides. I mean, we were joking about it. If Padre Carrington finishes in the top ten, I, I think you're kind of playing your way onto the Ryder Cup team. I mean, legit, like take take his name, take his age out of it. You're just I don't know. I think I think that's. I can't do it because he didn't play in this uh, week's senior major players. So, uh, Ludwig's going to be on the team, right? I don't think so. Really, I, I, he's got to do something. But again, I like get they're... he's talent. I get he's talented, but like, like what has he done? Listen, I, I'm all aboard the Ludwig hype train, but. Like at the same time, there needs to be a high finish to glom onto. He's not there in the, has to be one. He's not in the open, is he? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like okay, let me just like run down the the finishes. T four at John Deere, is that is that where you're gonna hang on? I mean, Sep's gonna get on the team from his John Deere performance. Yeah, but there's a body Sep Strack is a top thirty player in the world. Um yeah. You know, Ludwig's 303. I mean, so Rocket Mortgage, T40, Travelers, T24, RBC Canadian Open, T25, Valspar, T61, Arnold Palmer, T24, Hero Dubai Classic, T70. Those are his professional wins or professional starts. He didn't win NCAAs. He won a lot of like college tournaments, but I just, unless he does something, I don't, you got to do it at the highest level and then you're going to throw him in the Ryder cup. I, I get he's super talented. I'm all for injecting youth, but like Victor Hovland, when he turned pro had a better record and I don't think he would be considered for the Ryder cup. I was that a Ryder cup year that cause no, wasn't there Matt Wolf. What, that wasn't a Ryder cup year, right? No, It was 29. They turned pro after Pebble in 2019 at the Travelers, and the Ryder Cup year was 20. Well, it would have been 2020. It ended up being 2021. So, like with Hovland, for example, like I think the finishes were were pretty were better than that. And if it was like he didn't even get his card, like Ludwig Aberg at this point wouldn't under the old before PGA Tour U changed. He wouldn't be getting his card. He'd be getting close to seven starts at this point, and you'd be like, "Okay, he's going to the Corn Ferry Tour next year." Yeah, and I don't think you could put a player like that on the team unless uh, now he could win. 
He could win Wyndham and then win, you know, a playoff event. And, and like, if he wins Wyndham, like that's a, a real conversation then. Right. Yeah. I think, I but think, I don't think he's qualified for the playoffs. Like, I just don't think, I don't see how you could put him on the team. I think the counter is what we talked about earlier. There's, there's just so, no, no, nothing going on at the bottom. And I think the other things, like you look at some of those finishes he has, he's shooting, like it's very inconsistent, which is yeah. not, it can work in your favor at a Ryder cup where you only play one match or two matches or whatever. And so if you have a flash and you're, it, I mean, they're not going to pick Ludwig and play him like four matches, right? Like they would play him in a couple and see if they can get, I think he's going to be on the team. I, I think they're going to see if they can get something out of him when you put him in on that stage and your top eight's kind of taken care of and you, you, you're up, like your ceiling with him is just so much higher than it is with the Aaron Rise and Alex Norens of the world that I think it, I think you look at that ceiling and, and, and pick that over everybody else having a higher floor. God, so much, so much Aaron Rye slander. Uh, yeah. He's just like the guy that I get. He's, like, he's, he's stuck in your head. Hey, all right. My fifth one, you know, we talked Ryder cup now it's uh we've, we've mentioned him Ricky Fowler. Mm. We do this all the time with tiger and Phil. And we are like, is this his best chance? for a major championship left, right? Left, is this like ever. Ricky's, is this Ricky's best chance for a major ever? He's playing uh, arguably like as good of golf as he's played in the last seven. He Not arguably. He's playing the best golf he's played in the last seven years of his entire career. He's not super long. So I think that opens, while he contended at LAC, that was an atypical uh, U.S. Open course. I think like the U.S. Open and the PGA doesn't really fit his game great at this point in his career and with where the game's gone. And that leaves the Masters and this, and I think like the Open is probably best suited for his game. It's a course that he almost won at. Um, and I, I just like... Are do we? Is there another level of Ricky Fowler than what we've seen this year? Is he going to get better next year? Is I I guess the bet is like, is he a top ten player in the world, or is this year kind of a a one year thing, and does he settle into being a top thirty player? Yeah, that's that's interesting because the one area of his game. <clears throat> that hasn't come all the way back. I think if you look statistically is his is his driver. And as guys get older, they typically don't become better and better drivers, right? Um and so I I don't know that he's going to be a top 10 guy with the consistency that he was at age 24, 25, 26, but I I I, so yeah, I think to answer your question, I think he's more of a top twenty-five type guy than I'm like a top ten guy. But that plays into what? Like, are you asking is this his best chance ever going into like uh, like the week before, like going into the event? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on how you feel about the about the innocence and experience thing, right? Because I I think there's a there's a side of Fowler that there there's a facet of Ricky Fowler that did not exist eight years ago. Like he has some real, 
I think maturity and depth that he didn't have before that most people don't have when they're 25. But I don't know if that works for him or, or against him in this instance. You know? Mm-hmm. I I just think that I don't know if he'll be... He I think he's a first-page favorite. I think if you rattled off your 10 favorites, he's in the top 10. Ahead of Harrington or behind him? (laughs) 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 This is an episode about Padraig Harrington and the Open Championship, but first and foremost, Padraig Harrington. Um, Honestly, if you go down the favorites, I I think Scotty's number one, right? I think uh, then I would just, I would probably go with the next three are Rory Brooks and, and, and Rom in some order. Yep. Some form of fashion. At that point, at that point, like you get into the Cam Smith, um, you get in like, I think at that point you're in like the Ricky zone. And I don't, and I honestly don't think we'll ever be at another major where that, that is where we're placing Ricky Fowler in terms of, of odds. I don't know what his like actual odds are, but they have to be right around there. Who do, do you think Ricky's more, who, who do you, who of these three players do you think is most likely to win the open Ricky, Colin Morikawa and Victor Hoplin? I think like the only one that I think like Victor and, and Ricky right now, would be the two that I would put over Morikawa. But like, I think, I mean, I think that's a great question, right? And that's like your second tier of guys. Yeah. So I think he's like squarely, he's not like, he's not your top four, which I think are pretty undisputable. Um, But he's then next group. And, and I don't know if he, he'll ever get there again for a major, right? Like I think he's having he's just having a, a a heater. He's on a heater. He's playing you know some of the best golf of his career. He's in a stratosphere in terms of the strokes gain numbers that I'd never thought he would get back to. He's a top 10 player in the world in a tr- in the last 6 months. Yeah. It's the best he's ever hit his irons statistically. I mean, not and it's not really that close. You know, and and if you look at if you look at driver, it's actually one of the worst seasons he's ever had in terms of strokes gained, which, you know, we talked about it in an open championship can be it's not maybe as it's different than it is on the PGA Tour. So I don't I don't know how much you want to how much credence you want to give to that. But I I do think that I, I think you're right. I think there's a case to be made that this is the best chance that Ricky Fowler will ever have to win a major championship that that doesn't mean that he's going like it could happen to where he loses this week and then wins the U S open three years from now. But that doesn't mean that his chance wasn't better going into this week. I I think, yeah, like running into the tournament. Yeah. Like it, you know, has every, anything ever aligned better. Right. And this is, this could be a golf course too, where power is not super. It's more about control. And this is, these are all the things that I think, can play into it, right? Like this is a golf course where it's about avoiding hazards, finding fairways, you know, like I, I just, and I think like Lynx golf fits his game, right? It, be, it yep. brings the artistry. It brings the, you know, it brings the intangibles. Like it, it's in, it skews older. He would fit that. Like he's right 
He's 34. Yeah. The average age of a winner is 34. Yep. Him and him and Rory are both 34. Uh, I th- Yeah. It's a really good point. And I think, the, you know, the thing I was thinking about after he won in Detroit was with, with a lot of guys when they're, when they're close to winning, close to winning, close to winning, and then they finally win, you can almost see the drop off coming. You can see the, the other side of the roller coaster, right? And it does not feel like that with him. You know, and, and, and I was talking about this on my pod about how like it, that felt like almost like a checkpoint. Like there's, there's more to be had. And I don't know if that means this open or getting back to the top 10 in the world or whatever he does at the Ryder cup. But I, I don't, that did not feel like the sort of end of a, of a journey that he was kind of like, that didn't feel like the destination. It feels like there's, there's more for him to get to possibly this year, but potentially even, even beyond that. And he, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. Um, he, and he's T10 at the Scottish Open. Yeah. And no matter what happens this weekend, what that tells me is that the game is in form. He's ready to go. He's like, he's locked in. Like, I think what he, he believe and he believes. And the, the, the thing I think that he has now after Rocket Mortgage I hate saying this about, you know, rocket mortgage like this, but like there's real belief. There's more belief than before the U S open. Like this is major championships are all about a lot about belief. And I think there's never been maybe more belief for Ricky Fowler since 2014. Yep. Yeah. And it's crazy to think how much, I think you talk about this a lot. I know all of us do, but how much of it is just, uh, like luck, you know, a couple, a couple things go like you, you have all these things that want that line up. You're hitting it. Great. You believe all you hit some putt, you make some putts, whatever, but then like one or two things can go badly. And there that's the end of your, you know, you don't win because of that. And that is just, that has to be mentally infuriating. I was curious, who did you, who did you think was the best dressed out of that, that trio at Wimbledon? <laughs> It's a hard question. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a, my college buddies had had a chain going. All of them were just disgusted. You know, there. I think that the uh, I I don't know. I I think it definitely wasn't Spieth. Well, can we agree on that? No, we can't. I actually think it was Spieth. It just wasn't ironed. The outcome was bad. The, his process was good because he didn't. The thing that he did was he didn't try too hard. Like he 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 stayed within himself. He didn't try to do too much. He didn't try to cover like a two eighty uh, you know lake when he only had a two sixty club. Uh, he just forgot to he just forgot to 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 iron the pants, which was which was not great. Honestly, I'm looking at the picture now. The pants. I mean, I I respect it because I I just want to put this out there. If people ever see me in public, my pants will probably look like Jordan Spieth. Well, somebody was trying to tell me that it was he was wearing linen pants and you can't iron linen. I was like, I don't think those are linen pants. Honestly, I think Rick looks the best. Yeah, JT. There's JT's got a lot going on. Yeah, there is a lot going on. It's, I mean. I, I respect JT for, for going for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's almost, yeah, he's, it's like a bit, he's like playing a, playing a part. That's uh, who's your pick to win real quick. We're, 
We're we're way over time here for the Friday pod. Ah, well, I didn't know we had a time limit. We're talking about Aaron, no, no Aaron McKee there's and no, Jeff Green. And... There's no time limit. There's there's just constraints put put on by my own self. I don't think I have picked him for a major this year. I I know I haven't, but I'm 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 ready to I'm ready to run it back. Get hurt. All the, all that. Rory. Yeah, I think he's gonna win by like five. I I really do. I, you know, I, my one and done pick is going to be Cam Smith. I'm, I'm kind of starting to talk myself into Ricky. Yeah. Um, I think Scotty is going to win. Okay. There's that strokes gain total stat or whatever about like 2006 and 2014 Tiger and, and, uh, Rory. And I think that, I think Hoy like, Hoylake could become the new Burkdale where the, where you say, like, look at the winners. Oh. And that's like one of the things. Like, if Rory wins again, if Scotty wins, if if Rom wins, all of a sudden I think that the the Rota discussion discourse needs to be like the place that produces the winners is Hoylake. Because then you go back, Peter Thompson. DiVincenzo obviously was a great player. Um, but Peter Thompson, they that they were just like completely out of the Rota for a long time. I also want I, I Hearing more about the Dowie hole, I want it. I want it back. I want the par three surrounded by out of bounds back. <laughs> that would that would be amazing. Uh, the Bergdale list is so crazy. I well, mean, they got it, the problem is their most recent champions just a guy. Oh my gosh, we've gone long <laughs> enough for you to say that. That that need we need to. That was, I just was wanted to rile you up. That was that was a that was a joke. Just a guy came out after Brookdale. Uh, yeah, that, that's true. That's a good point. He was the best iron player in the world in 2017. Yeah, I, I've, I, you know, at that point it was, where's this going? That's what, you know, that's my favorite. One of my favorite things with majors is how the discourse immediately after is like, is this guy going to win eight? <laughs> I got like, I, I love Tron. He's the best. After after Morikawa won Royal St. George's two years ago, he he legitimately said that Morikawa would win eight major championships. And it's, I get it. It's easy to do. It's easy to to. Uh, it, it's because it's so easy to envision, right? Like they've just won. Like this guy's. But there's the the beautiful thing about majors is there's only so many of them, and. There can't ever be more of them. It's like the perfect, it's the perfect amount of what you want from the most important events of the year for golf. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree. All right, Kyle, thank you for coming on. This was delightful. People can find your work at cbssports.com. They can subscribe to your newsletter, the normal sporter. Um, and then they can also, uh, find you on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Kyle, is it Kyle Porter CBS? Yeah, right? at at both Threads too. I've made a cameo. Threads? Forgot about Threads. <laughs> yeah. I keep I check in every once in a while. There's too too I, too many too many places. I can't. I don't have the time to no, double post. No, even if it's copy and paste. No, I'm I'm good. Have you? One gotten, of them has you, to just win out. Have you gotten paid by Twitter yet? No. All these. Have you? All these, all these creators getting getting paid for their for their uh, their view count service. Yeah, really. Elon's trying roll to roll that out to golf. I don't know. I checked with I checked with some of the I checked with Solly, and he said he he hasn't received it either. So maybe 
I don't know. They you must want... be worried about the Kardashians. <laughs> Not us golf content creators. <laughs> maybe the live boys are getting it instead. Maybe the live the live uh, the live bots are getting it instead. <laughs> Absolutely, something that probably is happening. <laughs> They get they've gotten everything so far. So, <laughs> um, all right. We love I love you, live bots. You know. Yeah, I I do not. I find it humorous. I just I enjoy laughing. I my 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 beads of social media at this point are for pure strictly for humor. I find the humor in everything, even when it's very serious. That's great. I love it. All right, Kyle. Thank you, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. I can't believe the opens here. Thanks, Andy. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode was edited by Matt Ruches. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Matt's been killing it with our social media channels. If you don't, if you aren't on social media, I really applaud you that's an amazing thing if you're on instagram and you don't follow us already please do so uh it is at friday golf and we do a ton of stuff we've been we just started this new thing whole of a day which is pretty fun um and uh matt's been cooking up some really cool reels over there so follow our social channels and thank you to matt for putting this together and Can't wait for Open Championship Week. We will be back with at least one more podcast this week. Maybe another one. Um, We'll see. But uh, thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.